Hi, my name is Jared Dudley, and you're listening to the Solar Panel, a Phoenix Suns show. To the Phoenix Suns Solar Panel podcast here on YouTube. If you are watching us live, we appreciate you joining us. As always, we do have Mr. Greg Esposito. Oh, yeah. And of course, <laughs> Dave King. Hello, Sands fan. I, I tell you what, Dave, you must be as excited, I feel, as we all are for the last three games of the Suns. The Suns, for the first oh. time since the 2015-2016 season, are above 500 for three games. And I know that's Dude, not much, but it's, I feel, look, it's been incredible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend that this is the heart of the ocean in my hand, and I'm going to say something like, it's been 84 long years <laughs> since the Suns have had you know what it's been since 2015 since the Suns have even started a season two and one <laughs> it's been almost five years are, are you drunk dave are you drunk on winning is that what this is i am giddy uh, hey giddy it's unbelievable how much it fun really has have these three games been i, I having fun Look. with basketball I, I, this is why we're fans, and it is amazing to actually have a fun team again. The Suns almost had the same. Okay, let's compare it to a year ago. Um, the Suns had almost the same starting schedule, very close to it. Um, sorry, I don't have it right in front of me right now, but I've been wanting to talk about this, and I meant to look it up. Um, I believe they actually started the season um, while well, they won against Dallas, and then they lost by 20 points to, I believe it was Denver on Friday night in Denver on that same, the same schedule a year ago. And then they played the Clippers uh, and they, they, or somebody, and they lost by 30 again. Um, so the weekend games were just a complete come down. They were fully healthy. They hadn't lost anybody, although Devin Booker was kind of off and on with his, with his wrist issues. Um, and, and this year they're missing a couple of starters. Uh, they're missing Ricky Rubio from last night. Anyway, uh, they're missing a couple of uh, a young rotation player in Ty Jerome, and they still come out and they freaking win over the weekend. And they could have had wins uh, wins all weekend. They could be three and zero if not for um, uh, the last few seconds of Friday night's game. This well, is incredible. And I I love that they are playing the irritant. They are playing the defense and getting up in guys' grills and annoying. Uh, contenders in the Western Conference. They're getting under their skin and playing great basketball. And, oh, Devin Booker on Saturday night against the Clippers uh, scored 30 points and uh, helped them win. So uh, suck it, Internet. You know, suck that's, it, Internet, uh, and suck it, Patrick Beverly. Is that yeah. not the best rivalry? That oh, I'm freaking awesome. Devin Booker owns space in Patrick Beverly's head right now, and I am all <laughs> for it. I am all for it. I am here for the, it's my favorite rivalry since Goran Dragic and uh, and Sasa Vujacic. Uh, just uh, dumb, uh, no, but but so entertaining. <laughs> oh, uh, Devin Booker after he hit that three and turned and got right back in Patrick <laughs> Beverly's face and was like, "Keep talking at me. That this is what's going to happen to you." You know that fourth quarter is what uh, is. Devin Booker saying, this is what I can do when I have uh, NBA quality players around me. I can not only distribute, but I can I can score and and win a game for my team uh, when I'm when we're a good team as well. This is my this set, is yeah. thoroughly exciting. 
my second favorite play play from Saturday night was when uh, the the big treat when Lou Williams knocked over the tree and then he couldn't believe he was called for a flagrant foul. <laughs> he, uh, Aaron Baines was setting a huge pick and Lou couldn't get through it, so he got so frustrated he just pushed Aaron Baines over and Aaron Baines goes okay. And it turned out to be not only a foul, but a flagrant foul. It was so incredible. Oh, to All be right, fair, he did far. take two, his, both of his forearms and shove it into Aaron Baines' chest. I don't care that he, uh, he gives, up two, or gives up 100 pounds to Aaron Baines. It's still, uh, it's still a foul. It was so funny. Okay, so let's, before we go too far, let's not assume everybody knows what the heck is going on. This is after three games of the season. The Suns are 2-1 and one for the first time since 2015. They beat Sacramento Kings on Wednesday night by 29 huge points. A fully healthy Sacramento Kings team, by the way. Um, and then on Friday, they barely lost in overtime. They had the lead with 40 seconds left or so, uh, 107-106, and they lost um, when um, when Denver made a couple of free throws and the Suns couldn't. Devin Booker tried to hit a game winner because we didn't want to go to overtime, uh, uh, second overtime, because it was already the first overtime. Uh, and uh, Booker missed that game winner. And then on Saturday, the Suns, even without Ricky Rubio, even without their big center, even without Ty Jerome, uh, Cam Johnson did come back and barely played, but he still came back and got his first three of his career. Um, the Suns kicked the Clippers' butts all night long. Uh, Doc, Doc Rivers, after the game on Saturday, said the Suns deserved to win. They played harder. Patrick Beverly said the Suns deserved to win. The Suns played a lot harder. They played smarter. They got in the Clippers. Um, and if it, you know, they made it hard for the Clippers. Even Kawhi Leonard gave credit to the Suns for winning the game. Usually, after a loss to what's considered a bad team, the the team, the the visiting team anyway, will say, "Oh, it's all about us. We didn't try hard enough. We didn't do this. We didn't do that." These guys spent their entire time talking about how great the Suns played and how much the Suns deserved this win. And nobody said like the pat on the back kind of comments. They just said the Suns wanted it more. They said that the Clippers, uh, the Clippers players and the coach said the Suns deserved the game the whole time. And usually you don't hear that from a visiting coach when the team has lost. Usually, you know, you'll hear like uh, last year, Steve Kerr said, oh, pat on the head. Um, yeah, you guys should have won this or uh, whatever after a win. Uh, but this was after they lost. They weren't so butthurt that they um, only talked about themselves. They said a lot of positive things about the Suns, and that is really, really good to see. So do you guys want some uh, team stats from the please, Suns? Please, please right. tell us. So the Suns right now, they are sixth in the league for the amount of three-pointers that they're uh, attempting. They are awesome. 16th in the league for three-point percentage, right around 35%. Uh, but the ones that really, really stood out to me, they are eighth in the league at offensive rebounds per game. Uh, they are second in the league at defensive rebounds, second in the league at total rebounds. They are number one in assists at 29.3, number four in steals at nine a game. Um, <clears throat> And they are number two in points per game at 120.3. And they do have uh, a very positive net rating over this time period as well. Yeah, the um, the uh, Devin, the whole concern that Devin Booker wouldn't be able to play with a good team, wouldn't be able to play with NBA players, would fade into the woodwork. Um, Devin Booker is averaging 8.3 assists in three games this year, even with Ricky Rubio playing two of those games. Um, out of three because Rubio took Saturday night off with a with a bone bruise. I hope that doesn't last too long. But Booker had um, uh, ten assists in, in opening night, even with Booker or 
Booker got 10 assists on opening night, even with Rubio getting 11. Um, he had uh, eight more assists, I believe, on, on Friday, and then uh, eight more last night as well. So I think it's just incredible. Doug Allen, Doug Allen on the YouTube chat wants to know how serious is the Rubio injury? We don't know. We really don't. It looks like he's walking around uh, without a brace, without any kind of support or anything like that. I believe because it was a second night of a back-to-back, and we've seen how this training staff – look, this training staff is young and new. Um, they have shown an abundance of caution. We'll use the, 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 the politically correct way or the good way to say that. Um, they said that a lot of the um, injured players were not going to play at all in preseason, and yet they only missed one game. Remember that? Kelly Oubre and mm-hmm. – and uh, um, a couple of other guys were going to be out seven to ten days, and they were available in three. Um, they um, said Cam Johnson was out uh, for a little while, and he only missed two games. Ty Jerome's injury is the most severe of anybody's. Uh, he was walking around on crutches. So, and it's quite possible he'll heal too, but he'll heal quickly too. But uh, I do believe that because Rubio wasn't walking around with any kind of brace, and at 29 years old. If you're going to be out for a little while, you're you're going to be cautious about it. You're going to put some kind of brace on. The only guy I ever saw lose, uh, miss a couple of games without any kind of physical evidence of an injury um, was T.J. Warren every year. But we'll we'll just let that sleeping dog lie. <laughs> uh, I heard Rubio's knee was uh, was somewhat swollen yesterday. So, uh, but. It's a bruise. I think he'll, uh, if he's not back for Monday's game, which he's probably highly motivated to come back for Monday's game since they're yes, playing the Jazz. Yes, against Utah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, so uh, it would not shock me if he, he's This week, the Monday. Suns play Utah. They play Golden State. I don't have the whole schedule in front of me, but those are two games that are coming up. I mean, the Suns could have a winning record. I believe that's the next two games they play. Um, mm-hmm. And the Suns could have a winning record. It's a, it, it continue their winning record. They already are two and one. Yeah, I, this is great. It is, and it's team. It's it, it's a, it's a team effort. It's not one guy. It's not. Uh, it's it's and nobody's playing astronomically great, right? There's no one guy that you're going. Oh, he's carrying all this. That's uh, it. That's I, I, I good, do I do really I do have point. a question regarding that. Um, does the Suns' success without Aiton rely on Frank Kaminsky and Dario Saric having good shooting nights from three? Is that no, the only? No, they is? haven't had good shooting nights from three. Saturday they did, but um, the whole team was was awful. And they shot less than forty percent on Friday night, and they almost won that game against Denver. Um, what Devin Booker said is that they're playing, and he's right. They're playing really good defense, and I tell you what. Man, did we, didn't we spend all summer and a lot of the blogs and, and podcasts spent all summer talking about how the Suns might be good offensively, but their defense was going to be ter- terrible. Terrendous, I almost said. Ter- ter- um, yes, terrendous is exactly terrendous, what we thought they uh, be. Because everyone's saying, oh, Sarge can't play defense. Kaminsky can't play defense. Booker can't play defense. Nobody can play defense. All these guys are so bad. Yet, um, I didn't look at the stats this morning, but the Suns were sixth in defense after two games. And uh, I'm sure after playing the Clippers, um, they're going to be a little bit lower because they give up 122 points. But that defense was legit. And, and the by defense, you mean points allowed? I was looking at points allowed per 100 possessions. Right. Uh, Steve White. Because the, the Suns, by the way, the Suns are also playing with super fast pace. 
they're taking quick shots and they're forcing turnovers. And so the Suns are playing at one of the highest paces in the league as well. Um, and so their points per game are going to be higher than their points per possession. The the, the thing with the or defense too, I, I think we I think we undervalued how important uh, the chemistry side is to defense because it's about communication. It's about playing uh, together as a team on that, and, and they've been doing that. And they've uh, you can hide a lot of individual defensive deficiencies when you play smart together as a team and they've done that and right. they found ways to uh, uh to just interrupt the flow of, of their opponent's offense and that's been huge monty williams is about the 18th suns coach in a row something like that who said we're going to focus on defense in training camp i mean every coach says that but this is the first team i can remember in a long time that actually actually came out of preseason and training camp playing harder defense and not being worried about how much shots they're making on offense. I mean, that 35% from three that, uh, Tim, you mentioned a couple minutes ago, that was just buoyed literally by the fourth quarter barrage where the Suns um, kept the Clippers at, at bay by making a bunch of fourth quarter threes on Saturday night. Before that, they were, I believe, around 32 34% um, on Saturday and uh, so they'd have been in the low 30s, which would have put them in the lower half of the league in, in percentage. But the Suns are taking threes, and that's what's really important. We all know this. We all know taking threes and shooting the ball at the rim or be in the in the paint and close to the rim is the best shots to take. Now, the Suns do have some mid-range shooters, one of them being notably Devin Booker. But uh, Devin Booker forced Pat Bev's fifth or sixth foul on a mid-range. So I'm okay with Devin Booker. Uh, shooting mid-range when he makes half of them. If you are watching on the YouTube chat, do us a favor and hit that thumbs up button. It really does help us out with the YouTube algorithms and that sort of thing. So it's a way that you can contribute to the show. Landon Alverson, he has a question, which I do think uh, is important. Is the Sun success we're seeing right now uh, simply due to them surprising teams? No. Some of it. No, some I, of it. So, yeah, some of it. In particular... I think against the Clippers, uh, the Clippers probably came in not expecting the kind of uh, tenacious D, uh, pun intended, uh, that, that that they got from the Suns. But I don't think this is a simply uh, uh, opponents playing down to the level of a uh, of a team. This is actually a Suns team who is playing very good basketball right now and and not uh, let's not diminish that by by acting like uh somehow the clippers played down to them or the nuggets played down to them i think it's actually the reverse i think the suns played up to the challenge that was both of those teams and uh and it's been impressive you know uh patrick beverly after the game on saturday uh said that it's the Clippers who have the target on their back um, where, where teams are going to give them their best shot. Teams are going to fight harder against the Clippers than most any other team. Pat Bev said that he's expecting these guys to get, to be giving their best shot to the Clippers all season. The Clippers have to be ready for it. And they did clearly come in, not ready for the Suns to be one of those teams that did it because um, they blew out so the first two teams that they played Clippers did. And then in the, uh, on, on Saturday, I'm sure they came in because the Clippers had won against the Suns 12 straight times. The Clippers had won against the Suns by probably an average of 842 points a game. 
I mean, the Suns were getting killed by the Clippers the last few seasons. Just shellacked, especially on the second night of a back-to-back. So I am certain that the Clippers came in expecting a fairly easy game on Saturday night, and they didn't get it. And then they couldn't. Uh, then they couldn't figure out how to how to actually stop the Suns from making three pointers. So by then it was too late. If the Clippers knew um, what they were what they were in for against the Suns, it might not have been um, a Suns win. I totally get it because then both teams are focused. I I just uh, I I think that I I think that downplays how well the Suns team uh, the Suns team is playing and the the energy level the effort. Uh, and what they're coming out with, what I I think we're seeing is the fruits of, of Monty Williams' efforts. He basically had two training camps, thanks to the very bizarre, uh, the very bizarre preseason scheduling that we uh, that we saw. So they they had that eight days before the the regular season started that they uh, that they basically ran a second training camp, and mm-hmm. this team has come out prepared to play and Monty Williams uh, the key to me in Saturday night's game uh, and I tweeted about this but it was a very little thing but in the, late in the third the Clippers start to go on a run literally it, it was like two plays in a row and Monty Williams calls a timeout right away and in the past you know the Igors of the world the Earl Watsons even the they Albans. don't even yeah. they don't call that timeout they let they let the the game kind of play and then it's a 10-0 run before they call that timeout, right? Yeah. Monty calls that timeout and kills all momentum that the Clippers had. And and I think it's those kind of little things that have been also a difference maker so far this year. Yeah, I absolutely love when as soon as Monty won't even work, it won't even be a score-based timeout sometimes. Like that, that's true. Absolutely true, Greg. They stopped the momentum after a couple of plays there. But Monty will even call timeout when the Suns are up, Suns are down, whatever it is, on a single bad defensive play where they didn't have good transition defense when they allowed a layup on offense. And it's something where somebody totally missed an assignment. He'll just call timeout to stop and talk and let them talk to each other. And then he'll talk to them about what's going up next. But basically, Monty is giving the players an opportunity to uh, talk each other up and get each other back on, on the right page. Because what happens in timeouts, and we all know this, but um, not everybody picks up on it. A timeout lasts about two minutes. Um, The first minute, minute and a half of a timeout, the players are huddled on the bench while the coaches are huddled on the court trying to figure out what they're going to do next, right? That's just the way it is. So what what Tyler Johnson was saying about last year and DeAndre Aiden was saying about last year is guys would just sit quietly in that circle on the bench, just just kind of waiting for the coaches to show up and tell them what to do. Um, and then there's 30 seconds or so for the coaches to plan out the next play, and then that's it. Um, so this year, what the what the players are actually doing is they're talking to each other during that minute, where they're they're telling each other what's going on, what's what's right, what's wrong, what's what they got to focus on, where they messed up. They're they're coaching each other themselves, and then Monty just has to come in and tactically tell him what to do next. He doesn't have to, a coach is not a motivator during a game. He really isn't. He's a tactician during a game and the players have to motivate each other. And I thought, so that's just brilliant. And so when Monty calls timeouts, he's really giving his players a chance to coach each other up uh, before he tells them exactly maybe what they missed. And then he moves on to the next play. 
because it's not, you don't have time to be motivational uh, in the middle of a game as a coach. You have to be tactical. What have you guys thought about Monty Williams' uh, rotations so far? Well, at first, I thought, at least from a point guard position, I was wondering why we were seeing so much Javon Carter, but mm-hmm. Javon Carter proved why we're seeing so much Javon Carter. I'm guessing that Monty Williams uh, and the staff saw the effort and the hustle and the defensive uh, veracity during practice uh, and preseason or training camp that earned him that time. So overall, I've uh, I've been fairly happy with the rotation. Would I like to see more minutes from Mikael Bridges? Yes, but I think we'll get there uh, with that. But overall, he has adjusted to everything that's been thrown at him. Uh, has gotten numerous guys involved in this rotation, and and I've been fairly happy with what he's doing. Look, it's just a three-game run, right? But you're right, Greg, that he's shown it all the way through training camp and preseason, and that's how he's getting these minutes. It does help him that Ty Jerome has has um, been injured, but I think he would have gotten these minutes anyway. Monty actually started when Ty Jerome was healthy. Monty started Javon Carter the one game uh, that Ricky Rubio rested in preseason. Uh, so we know who Monty's favorite is amongst those backup point guards, and you know what? Javon Carter is proving it. He's made. Well, he also next to yeah. next to Booker, um, he is the type of of defensive minded uh, mm-hmm. guard that you want out there next to Booker. Absolutely, and you know what? So Doc Doc Rivers does a little monologue after after the oh, each opposing coach does a little monologue press conference at the end of each game. And Doc Rivers mentioned two players for the Suns that he thought he said overall the team deserved to win. Even if the Clippers had found a way to win that game, they should say shouldn't have been able to. And it's a good thing. He goes, it's so I'm, I'm they, they deserve to win. I'm glad they got the win. Um, there were two players. He talked about one player, the first player he brought up, Doc Rivers brought up out of all the Suns players who won that, who helped win that game. He brought up Javon Carter. He said, Javon Carter was a menace out there. He was awesome out there. He was their leader out there defensively. It was just incredible. All the plays that he made, even one of the late plays where Javon Carter blocked, um, uh, I forget who he blocked at the, at, on, on the way into the basket, but it was all ball and they got a foul call on it. It was Pat Bev. Uh, they got a foul call on it and got free throws, but everyone knew, even Patrick Beverly knew it was a block. Um, uh, Javon Carter was incredible defensively, and he's making his threes. He's made over 50% of his threes since the season started, so that really helps as well. And he had six assists on Saturday night, which isn't incredible, um, but the, and with the Suns leading the league in assists, your point guard having six is pretty good. Ricky Rubio would have had a dozen. Um, but, man, he's doing the right things, and he's playing with abandon. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder, and he's doing. He's like uh, the Suns' version of a Patrick Beverly and, right now. And he's playing. Uh, he looks like he's Jamal Crawford's age. He's playing with the kind of veteran <laughs> presence, and yet he's 24 and in his second year in the league. Uh, what uh, I love is that Javon Carter's mom is on Twitter, <laughs> and a couple people have noticed that he's uh, he has said that he looks old, and she'll just respond going, "He can't help it. He's just such a wonderful boy." <laughs> she, she probably looks younger than him. That's probably the the crazy. <laughs> craziest part about about all this like i had to look it up last night because i'm like i know he's not that old but you're sitting here you just internally assume that he's some kind of veteran presence and no he's young <laughs> what uh so looking back on the trade that ended up shipping off josh jackson 
DeAnthony Melton bringing in Carter. Uh, it's what do you guys think now with a total of three games of hindsight? Well, hey, right? yeah, it's you just know. three games. It's just three, but it is so funny because all summer the argument was the Suns traded Josh Jackson and DeAnthony Melton for a couple of uh, and a couple of second round picks just to jump dump Josh Jackson. Nobody actually mentioned Javon Carter as part of the trade, uh, and now you almost have to wonder. Well, let's see. Josh Jackson's in G League. Danthe Melton, even though he's he has been injured, he's had a back issue. He hasn't played a whole lot, but he wasn't going to be uh, one of their top point guards because they have Tyus Jones and um, and John Morant at point guard for them. Um, Danthe Melton is not really earning time. He's actually playing. He's when he does play, he's going to be playing some of the backup shooting guard uh, types uh, type of moments. So. Actually, Javon Carter may end up being the best player in that deal. <laughs> I uh, honestly, I I bow down to the chemist, right? Uh, I, I, James Jones has figured out a way to, uh, and I, yeah, I get it. It's three games, and overreaction is, is is a plenty right now. But if you look at this, you cannot deny that this is a better team from a talent perspective, a deeper team than we've seen. Oh. And they actually are coming together as a group, which we have not seen in a very long time in Phoenix. And that has to do with the players that James Jones acquired and the coaching staff that James Jones put together. And in a vacuum, we've talked about this numerous times, a lot of these individual moves left people wondering. But when you look at it in totality, this was a brilliant offseason that was executed. And I've been I've been one of the toughest critics that James Jones has had over the last 14 months. Uh, and and I am 100 uh, percent impressed with what he's been able to pull off and, and am happy to admit that I was wrong. Yeah. You know what? So in, in net result, all the NBA teams have to spend about the same amount of money unless they're re-signing their own guys and going over the cap and into luxury tax territory and all that, which the Suns aren't. The Suns' salary cap number is about the same as it was a year ago. They are lighter by about, uh, I think it's three second-round picks between now and 2022. I will trade three second-round picks for 20 more wins. Thank you very fucking much. Well, I mean, yeah, asset management. We're gonna the national media were, were asset management, asset management. Look at uh, blah, who cares? Look at look at oh, when it's they only overpaid. three second round picks. Yeah. The Suns did not mortgage their future. Well, they did not sign any long term contracts they shouldn't have signed, and they didn't trade any first round picks away. The one one pick they traded away to uh, to uh, of Milwaukee's that was going to be around 25, 28, 30 in the in the. That that range, they got Ty Jerome and and Aaron Baines, who, by the way, backing up for the center that got suspended, he is now fifteen and, and he's averaging fourteen and a half and seven and a half in the starting lineup. I think that was the worth the trade. Suspended. We're not mentioning him today. That's it's, it's a he who shall not be mentioned. We're not mentioning the dire the he diuretic champion. All right, hey, hey Greg. So I I missed. The I don't want to piss all over this podcast. Hey, hey uh, now. I, I, I missed the last episode uh, traveling. I'm, I'm in Boston right now. You guys did a great job. But my favorite part of the episode was definitely the title of it. Yeah. Oh, I know. 
that, that was in a ton of trouble. <laughs> that was a that was a Twitter but, effort. It started as uh, DeAndre Ayton urine trouble, and then uh, and then it went back and forth between some people on Twitter, and we uh, as, as a group think got to the uh, uh, urine a ton awesome. of trouble. Uh, so yeah. we do have a, a, a question on the YouTube chat right now from Francisco. What do you the think YouTube. of <laughs> of the new uh, Booker's new pass first mentality that we're seeing? Uh, he's saying he doesn't see anything anything uh, forced from Booker, and it seems impressive. Uh, Booker has noticeably not been shooting well over the first couple of games. Uh, definitely pass until first, last but night. until last night. But even that was a little bit later in the game when he really it got was. really yeah. got going. Well, look, I think I think it was uh, I like that he is not forcing things right. He was probably a little under aggressive in the first two games, which uh, which okay, I, I get it. I get that you're you're trying to adjust to, to the new system. But Saturday night against the Clippers, he had that pass first mentality. But he also had that killer instinct when he needed to in the fourth quarter. And that's what you want from Devin Booker. That is that next evolution in being a star in this league, is being able to get everybody involved uh, early on and when need be. But knowing in that time, uh, in that fourth or during a, a run where I, you know, they need points from him that he takes over when necessary. And I I really think we saw the emergence of the Devin Booker that takes it to that next level uh, against the Clippers on Saturday night. Oh, yeah. No, it's been so fun. And um, what's what's totally fascinating is that uh, the other player that Doc Rivers mentioned in the postgame was Devin Booker, and it wasn't about Devin Booker making shots. It was about Devin Booker um, keeping his head during a tough game when people were in his, like, a guy like Patrick Beverly was trying to get Booker off his game. for And, and Kawhi Leonard was guarding Booker. Those are two of the best defensive players in the entire league uh, were trying to defend Devin Booker, and Devin Booker was still making shots in their face. And uh, Doc Rivers said he mentioned just the same kind of thing Monty Williams has been mentioning all week, which is Devin Booker is keeping calm, keeping cool. He is staying in control because you do have a tendency as your team's best scorer to try to overscore, to try to overdo it when your team's in trouble. And Booker has not been doing that. Yes, there's been a play or two where you go, oh, Booker could have passed that. But you know what? The guy makes so many freaking shots. You want him taking the shot. He even said himself after the game on Friday when he tried to uh, make the game winner, he dribbled out the last 19 seconds on purpose. That's what Monty wanted. And then he had a choice of passing off or taking the shot. You've got, you've got Ty, uh, Tyler Johnson who swung out to uh, for about half a second. He was open for a pass to the three-point line. Or Devin Booker could have driven into the uh, defense on a switched-out pick-and-roll where they didn't know who was defending him. Um, he beat his defender on Friday night and drove into the lane, and he says the only thing he did wrong was not pull up from 10 feet. What he did is he tried to go all the way to the basket, and he knows. He's like, man, in the closing seconds, I should have known you're not going to get a foul call. And just about anything can happen on help defense. I should He should have known what happened was – Kaminsky's defender um, rotated off and blocked Booker's shot after he'd beaten his defender on the way to the rim. And he said, if I had just stopped at 10 feet, I, I could have had an open shot. He even said that. Even we were saying that on Twitter afterwards, but he said that too. And he knows. He's learning. He's, he's, he knows what he's doing. He's, he is going to be the guy 
who's going to help the Suns win more games than they otherwise would have, even as hard as they're playing. You, I'm going to throw something out there, and you guys both can can tell me I'm way off base if you want. But Saturday night, watching Devin Booker, in my head, all I could think was this reminds me of prime Reggie Miller, right? Where where he would it didn't yeah. matter that somebody's jawing at him, he's going to go right back at him, and he's going to make him pay for for that, and and have that killer instinct and shoot and just take over. Uh, when need be, it reminded me so much of uh, of some of that classic Reggie Miller uh, trash talk and play. It really stood out to me on Saturday. And what I want to say for sure is that Devin Booker has not changed his game. I'm no. going to be really pissed when the national media start going, Devin Booker's totally grown up. He's totally changed. He hasn't changed a thing. This is the exact same Devin Booker we've seen the last two years. He just finally has people around him. And this validates that six and four run. They didn't have Monty Williams at the time. They had Igor and his coaching staff. All they needed was a couple of real players last spring. And Devin Booker showed that he can average 30 points and seven, eight assists in this in winning environment because all they added at the time was Kelly Oubre and Tyler Johnson. And suddenly they became a, a uh, 500 team for 10 games, six and four. Um, and they would have stayed that well if those guys hadn't gotten hurt. Then all of a sudden you've got um, Tyler Johnson and, and Kelly Oubre getting hurt, and now all of a sudden they're back to the team with no NBA players on it. It's just incredible, incredible how Devin Booker has just seamlessly um, um, not changed a thing, and now all of a sudden he's going to be considered a winning player. Dave, I agree with you in premise. I think there is something that has has changed with Booker, uh, and it's a, it's a slight thing. It's not a fundamental change, but it's trust. He has trust in his teammates now, which has not been the case uh, in a lot of situations that he's been in in his, uh, his first few seasons I'm going to make a bad Suns. analogy. If you've got a cheating girlfriend and you don't trust her, and then the next girlfriend doesn't cheat and you trust her, that doesn't mean you changed. No. That just I, means you have something to trust. Well, his teammate trust isn't given, it's earned, that's true. And and I think that that these teammates have earned that trust. And so it does somewhat shift things like his usage rate, like because he knows oh, yeah, no, he doesn't just, have it, to be. He right. doesn't have to be everything. But right. fundamentally he is exactly he the same guy. No, you're I'm right. Saying. Fundamentally, he is the same guy. He's taking the same shots. He's passing the same way. Uh, his his a game evolved uh, over the last couple of years to make him uh, a distributor. It's not this year that that change has happened. So I agree in, in that way, Dave. I okay. would I would also note that Devin Booker is leading the team in personal fouls, which uh, you could look at as not being a positive. But to me, that I see that as him actually attempting. On the defensive end, a bit more. He is. He really is playing great defense, Tim. You're absolutely good point. Um, And while he is fouling, it's because he's he's really pushing through these screens. He's really trying to get at these guys. Uh, And and I've been very impressed seeing that as well. But that's I give I give Monty Williams a thousand percent credit because he's gotten a lot of guys on this team to buy into the fact that defense is as much about effort and, and, and trying to be in the right spots as it is about talent. And, and in the past, the, the effort level hasn't even been there. And this team has that effort through three games and it's made a huge amount of difference. I mean, it pissed off. Uh, the the Clippers on Saturday night they they were 
immensely frustrated with the Suns, and I'm all for that. If this team can be entertaining offensively and annoying defensively, we're going to be in for some uh, some fun basketball games. I do want to know. Um, so uh, drafting Cam Johnson, uh, a bit of an older player, because he was partially because he was quote unquote NBA ready, uh, and now we aren't really seeing that much of him. Well, he was he's he's had a pulled cap. Um, he's had a strain cap, so he wasn't even active for the first two games because of injury. He played a little bit on Saturday, but that was his first NBA game ever in the regular season, and so Monty Williams wanted to uh, settle him in slowly. I would bet, I'd be willing to bet that he's playing 20-plus minutes a game uh, going forward now that he's back in the rotation, unless he re-pulled his cap and blah, 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 and they have him sit. But as long as he's healthy, I really think Kim Johnson is the perfect player for this stretch five offense. Well, and you're, you're going to need it now because with Frank, Frank Kaminsky sliding over to that backup center position, uh, and you could argue now Ubre has been playing that backup power forward, now we'll, or, or not backup, but playing in the rotation at power forward now as well. You, you're going to need Cam Johnson to play play minutes because you have a, you have a hole, you have a need with that. So I think you're right, Dave. Uh, they're going to ease him in here in the first few games just to make sure that they don't re-aggravate anything. But once it, once he's looks clear, he's going to play 20 minutes a game. You know, can we? Oh, we've been dancing around it a little bit, but can we spend a few minutes talking about how Kaminsky Cove has gone from the popularity of Gilligan's Islands, Gilligan's Islands Lagoon to uh, South Padre Islands Lagoon? Can we? Can we talk about that? Everyone loves Frank Kaminsky now after being the worst signing of the offseason besides Ricky Rubio. Hey, I think I think we also fall in that camp. I don't think we a do. single one of us was that excited no. about Frank Kaminsky. I, and I remember, so I remember hey, hey, really quick, uh, thank you so much to William on the YouTube chat for donating five bucks to the show. Really Wait, do appreciate man. that. Um, but it wasn't just us. There were some other Suns podcasters, too. Um, I think that we're talking, it was uh, Ed Davis who had just signed for a, a pretty nominal amount of money. I can't remember where he went. Um, you know, there, were, there million, were some. Ed Davis actually went to, uh, was it the Clippers? Is yeah. it Utah? No, it's not the Clippers because we would have seen him last night. Anyway, yes, Ed Davis is a very good player. And he signed for less than Frank did. And also Noah Vonley, who everyone knows is is so worth it. Um, quote unquote, um, then, uh, yes, absolutely. But Frank Kaminsky was not supposed to be this good. And I just want to say that I am purchasing space in Kaminsky code because that dude, I freaking okay. love him well, because he just busts his ass constantly. Welcome. We're building a quite nice, uh, beachfront community at Kaminsky Cove. Uh, I believe I've actually been uh, living here much longer than than most. So uh, you had nowhere to go after Bender Island got shut down. So, so yeah, so I I move I swam my ass over here long before any of you. So <laughs> so I look forward to reaping the benefits of selling a little pieces of Kaminsky Cove to each of you as you uh, you join me here. Uh, my ties for while, everybody. Well, while all the Suns seem to have been in foul trouble. Okay, so let's. Quick recap on Friday night for those who actually weren't paying attention all weekend. Uh, the Phoenix Suns not only missed the uh, center who 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 shall be suspended, uh, but they were also missing as after the first minute of overtime, three more starters. Uh, well, because Aaron Baines took over at starting center, 
Uh, he fouled out in the first minute of the first play of overtime. Kelly Oubre fouled out in the second play of overtime. And Ricky Rubio fouled out in the third play of overtime. All uh, within the, the first minute. Yeah. And so the, the Suns actually almost won in Denver against Denver. I mean, the mile high, not only altitude and all that, I mean, against a Nuggets team is supposed to be one of the best in the West and will be one of the best in the West this year. Suns still almost pulled it out and only lost on a last second pair of free throws. Um, that's just incredible. But uh, going back to guess who never got into foul trouble and still played as good a defense as anybody could expect? Frank Kaminsky. He's been incredible. And he is the one guy besides Dario Sharage. Um, and plus, you got to give Dario Sharage credit too. Dario Sharage had a double double on Friday night or Saturday night, actually, 15 and 10, um, and uh, made three of his threes. So he showed you what he can do. Um, those guys are not getting into foul trouble when everyone else is going down and sitting on the bench. Even Kelly Uber on Saturday had four fouls. He had only played 10 minutes before the fourth quarter started. Um, Frank Kaminsky and, and, uh, Dara Sharge are just trucking out there, busting their butts and not getting in foul trouble. So hey, thank you very much. Can we talk about something with, with Dario Sarich? Uh, you could literally put him in the band fallout boy and you would have no clue that he w- wasn't supposed to be there that hair gets me every <laughs> time they do the close-up on him i'm like hey, are we looking at some emo punk rocker here or are we looking at an nba player so uh, that, yeah. every time they cut they, they do the close cut up or close uh, cut to him it makes me laugh so can we expect at any point during the season if the two of them, um, Dario Sharge and Frank Kaminsky, continue to play the way that they have been playing for Kaminsky to actually take over that starting four? No, I, I don't know. You're not going to mess. If they keep winning with this mixture, they're not going to mess with it. Why would they? That and Sharge is a career high 30s for three-point shooter, and he can, and he can rebound. Um, it's possible Kaminsky could take the starting role from Sharich, but I don't think it'll happen. Like Greg said, I think they're going to, they're not going to mess with something that's working. Now, if the Suns go on a 10 game losing streak and Sharich is still hitting 30% of his shots, absolutely. I can see Kaminsky starting, um, just because you, he, he would deserve it at that point if he's still playing this well, yes. Tim. Yeah. So that's a good point there. But as long as this still is happening, I don't see it. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to me. It's starting okay, but it's who finishes the game. And I know I know it's cliche to say that, but really, uh, it's who's out there in crunch time. And I think if if Frank's the hot hand, if he if he's passing well, still, uh, we're gonna see him out there in in serious uh, minutes at the end, uh, as much as as anybody. So. Uh, Big Merck over on the YouTube chat. So the Suns still netting 32 wins. I I took the over. Uh, I I still think 33 to 35 is where we wind up uh, in the end, depending on, uh, you know, there's going to be ebbs and flows. Right now we're riding high. Uh, it's been a great first three games. There will come a stretch where they struggle. It's inevitably going to happen, and it's not. It happens to every NBA team. I, I just think... I think we're still looking at 32 to 35, uh, but sure, hey, there's a ver- there's a chance they could win 40, mid 40s, and surprise everybody. We've we've talked about that. We said if everything clicks, uh, this is this is a 40 plus win team potentially. Right now, everything's clicking. If if this carries through, if this is the team and this is the chemistry and this is the energy we see, 
yeah, yeah. way past 32 uh, is, is definitely a possibility. I just believe things will even out a, a little bit, and it won't be uh, necessarily always like the, this this season. So I'm just trying to temper my own expectations. Yeah, absolutely. The Suns have increased their probability of exceeding 40 wins for sure. They've increased mm-hmm. the probability of fighting for a playoff spot. Absolutely. Uh, some teams are going to be worse than expected. I think the Kings are going to be worse than expected. They've yeah. lost twice now by 25 plus points. Golden State's going to be worse than expected, although they're going to pull it together. I'm not saying Golden State's going to uh, not make the playoffs for sure, but they're, that it's just a tough conference. It's a tough, tough conference. And that goes back to my earlier comments that I think uh, the Suns are catching some of these teams by surprise just a little bit. Denver did not come in thinking they had to give their best shot to the Suns. And, and the Clippers did not think they had to give their best shot to the Suns. So uh, that's why I was saying I think a little bit of it is um, Suns overachieving bias. But I do think the Suns' probability of exceeding 40 wins has definitely increased. And their likelihood of, of exceeding 34, 35 wins is really good right now. Really, really mm-hmm. good because they're doing it with injuries. They're withstanding, withstanding injuries. They're proving they can do that. And I totally believe – and this is no knock on Devin Booker, but I totally believe they could survive uh, some missing time from Devin Booker, too, because they have enough shooting. They have enough playmaking as long as they're not both down Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker. I mean, if you get devastating um, and they're already down um, the center, who won't be named. Uh, so if they're already down to all the down, all these guys, then maybe. Yeah, maybe they're going to start. But they still have a half a dozen or more uh, NBA quality players, uh, even with three or four guys out. So I, I really think the probability is like almost 100% they're in the 30s, okay? Uh, but the likelihood of being in the 40s is probably still in the 20 um, 25% of tops, maybe 10 15%. Yeah. So fouling has been an issue for this team right now. They are leading the league in personal fouls per game. Um, yeah. One... One thought is that when it comes uh, specifically to Aaron Baines, as he's been a career, you know, for the most part, backup center who is used to being able to rack up fouls because he's playing limited minutes, is Monty Williams playing Shaq Diallo a bit more at center, specifically for the reason that the Suns can ensure that at the end of games, they do have um, Aaron Baines on the floor without having to worry about him being fouled out. Thoughts on that? I think it's just going to depend on on matchups. I mean, I don't know that Diallo <clears throat> is going to always be the answer. Maybe it's playing Frank more minutes uh, at center. Maybe it's uh, a game or two Frank starts at center, depending on uh, how small uh, an opposing team is going to play. But you're you're never going to keep Aaron Baines from uh, playing with that mentality. That guy is going to go out there and. Uh, and play hard, and if it leads to five or six fouls, he's fine with that because he's setting. Well, well, that's kind of that's kind of the point, though, right? Is is that you don't want him to stop playing that way, so you want to limit his minutes a little bit during the uh, middle of the game by playing Shaq Diallo. Uh, maybe I mean, I, I sure you you can play with the rotation to try to limit it, but 
if he's out there more than 20 minutes, he's probably gonna gonna have five five fouls, and I'm uh, I'm fine with that. And right now, it's a necessity that he's just gonna have to have to be out there. And and I think he's smart enough to not foul out with eight minutes left to go in a game, but you know, with a minute or two left, he he may foul out. But I think that's yeah. what you want from him. You want that aggressiveness. You want that tone setting, and you want people to know that I'm gonna set a hard pick, and if you come in the lane. I'm going to knock you on your ass. And that's what Aaron Baines does. It'd be nice to have him out there for a great deal of the fourth quarter for sure, Tim. Uh, so I think your point is it's super valid because, yeah, no matter what, Aaron Baines is going to play balls out. And so having him enter the fourth quarter with three or fewer fouls, fouls would be ideal. And then having him play most of the fourth quarter would be ideal. Um, <clears throat> for sure, the way that the roster is currently set on the active roster. Absolutely. Um, so check Diallo. The reason check isn't playing is because he's not playing like the rest of the guys yet. He has not played um, his uh, every, he has not played within himself. He hasn't shown that he can totally fit on this team. And Monty's not going to play a guy just to put him out there. Um, and so all, every one of the players in, in the current rotation knows what they're doing. And it feels like check Diallo is a square peg in that hole in that round hole right now. Will he set himself and will he, become um you know a good fitting player absolutely hopefully but um until then um yeah maybe uh five extra minutes of him in the first half maybe 10 extra minutes of him in the first half then you can then you can get aaron baines ready to go for the fourth quarter i i I, I agree with you, Tim. There is something that that, that could come into play here after uh, Mr. Diuretics is out for uh, for five games. The Suns get the opportunity. Uh, the I refuse. Monster. To, I, I refuse to 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 say his name. Mr. Masking Agent. Uh, the the masked <laughs> urine. Whatever we want to call him. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I really, I don't care what what we refer to him as, but once he's missed five games, they can get a roster exemption to bring on a, a player wh- while he's out. And uh, so you could see another center brought into the mix, another big man at that time. I, and I just, I wonder, I just, I'm like Dave, it, it check, it's check Diallo may not be the answer. He's young, he's raw. But if you bring in a guy, uh, Gambo was reporting that Aaron, uh, uh, our big sauce, uh, was, uh, I was going to say, was interested. What was interested in coming back and said if he gets Ooh. the call from the Suns, he's on the first plane back from Russia to play for this team. Ooh. So, so you know what? That could be interesting because that's the kind of guy. Then, then you're getting then you're getting twelve productive fouls out of uh, out of your big <laughs> man, and you're getting a lot of hustle uh, on both ends of the court. Then maybe I feel a little bit better about it. I, I just think you have to have a guy that's been around the block a little bit to come in uh, and spell uh, Baines in those minutes. I just don't think Diallo's the guy uh, and right now you'd have to lean on on Kaminsky or, or Sarich to to play those minutes uh, at the center to spell Baines but uh, you're 100% right in terms of uh, of wanting to make sure that he's out there in the fourth uh, by by limiting his opportunity to foul people in the second and third quarters probably <laughs> what, I don't, would love Alan Williams, Williams back on this team that would be hey great. don't the Suns have 14 players on the roster right now or am I incorrect about that they don't are they allowed any? they are allowed to replace uh, the masked Uranger. Yes, but they are but yeah, but even him. even with that, don't don't the Suns have uh, one? They have one open spot, don't they? Not. I thought there no, were no. fifteen. Uh, only only if the Master Ranger gets replaced. That's it. 
because they kept all four point guards. So I, I think we yeah, were assuming yeah. one of the point guards was going to be well, a, a so casualty who, who, of it. Who am, Okay, so Santa, Devin Booker, Aiton, Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Sharich, Kaminsky, Javon Carter, Tyler Johnson, Aaron Baines, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Ellie Kobo, Shaq Diallo, Jared Harper. That's Le 14. Hugh. Who am I Not missing? Jared You're Jason missing Jalen LeCue. Oh, okay. Yeah, and okay. Uh, who, uh, there is a. But Jared Harper's a two way guy. He doesn't count him on the 15. Well, so Le, if he doesn't then count. Then LeCue does, doesn't either, then, if he doesn't count against no, the 15. No, LeCue does. LeCue's on a guarantee contract. That's true. You're right. So, they do, so that is only 14, though. All right. Well, you know what? I'm no sorry. Point. I'd have to look at it. I can't look at it right now. The, so the you're, point, you're possibly right, Tim. You're possibly right. Yeah, sure. The, the point being, they can bring in help. Uh, I mean, and. Uh, Oh, Elliot Kobo. Did you say Kobo? Yeah, he did say the French uh, Archie Shoot. Goodwin. It's uh, a French connection. Yep. Yeah. Hey, hey, I want to give Elliot Kobo some props. He came in because of foul trouble in that fourth quarter at a key time against the Clippers. And the very first play, he had an aggressive driving layup uh, to score, to, put, to, to, stop, uh, to help stop another Clippers run. So I want to give Elliot props. He was in there for a couple of minutes because of foul trouble, and that was great to see that he – he uh, made something happen. The French Archie. Oh, Goodman. Ty Jerome. That's who I didn't. That's who I didn't mention. Yes. There you go. Okay. Jerome. I thought sure they were yeah, 15. They yeah. <sighs> but they are allowed to replace um, the, the masking agent for sure. Yes. Oh, I, that's the winner. We're calling him the masking agent. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, somebody in the uh, somebody in the, the YouTube chat right now saying that uh, bring in bring in mellow. Oh, no, God, God no. no you want to no. destroy chemistry? Is there a dude who would destroy that chemistry more than him? I don't but know. Pull, pull how, the how, pin how, on the how, grenade how and throw it in the locker room. No, more... no. How, okay. Alan Williams how about would be Gortat? perfect because Alan Williams would be so happy just cheering on the bench with this freaking team. Mm-hmm. Even and if he Joe doesn't Joe get Noah. Joe Kim Noah. No, and he's, and no, he's another. because then he'll be constantly double teaming Devin Booker in practice. No. And, and Joe Kim Noah is the original masking <laughs> agent. He did the same damn thing. Why would you bring him in? He'll show I, DeAndre how to hide it. My God, <laughs> dude! My my favorite tweet after that that got announced was uh, Aiton plays one good game of defense and they they drug test him. Yeah, that was Mike V Hill. <laughs> yep, <laughs> they immediately God. drug test him. <laughs> Guys, like, we're we're inching into the territory. We're gonna force me to talk about the masking agent. Don't and don't don't. Yeah, don't. we're don't. just gonna call him the masking agent. We were on. so we were so positive <laughs> about this. So. Sam, I'm sorry you missed that that um that that set so you can get it out of your system, but we can't bring it up now. Oh, did well, you guys you know what I was? I was seeing the national in the Boston in, in yeah. Boston, so uh, I had to miss that episode. I didn't get to chime in at all. Uh, I heard it went great. Though. Did you? Uh, did you guys see on Twitter? Uh, I was recruiting oh my a center. God, Tim, you're like, where's Waldo? Sit closer to your camera, please. <laughs> did you? You're a tiny I, little head in the far corner far away? of your screen. Yeah, did you? <laughs> did you guys see? I tried to recruit a center for for this team. What uh, the second that the masking agent. Uh, Stuff came out. I, I reached out to Mr. Martian Gortat on Twitter and asked him if he wanted to take a another ride on the uh, brothel on two wheels. Uh, he politely <laughs> declined. So, so that's he's one politely, center. Yeah. Well, he also politely declined because he's not even in the NBA right now, well, so he's yeah. probably not in shape. He's available. Well, that, I, made. I, I tell you what, after after making that statement, I'm not sure he would be the first uh, backup center they would go to. <laughs> I was ready. I, I'm like, bring him in. Let's let's see what else he has to say. It'd be entertaining. So. <laughs>
Uh, oh, so on that note, uh, anything else, guys? Anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Thank Look, God we're watching entertaining I'm basketball. I'm so happy for these guys. <laughs> I'm so happy that they're busting their butts. They're not letting themselves get down. They're not letting themselves react negatively to injuries and suspensions and all that. They're just next. They're literally doing the next man up thing that we've wanted them to do forever. This is really great. I, I want to say that my uh, my co MVPs for the first week has been uh, Javon Carter and Frank Kaminsky. I think those guys have been incredible uh, um, in the roles that they're doing. Everyone else has been doing what they're expected to do. And that's another thing is nobody's outsizing their play right now, except those two guys. Nobody's playing better than they were supposed to have played. And that's why this team is so exciting. And there's such a good chance of them being in the early, uh, low, mid, high 30s and possibly even the 40s on wins is because people are playing as expected. And they're winning against good teams. I love it. I'd argue that you've got a few guys playing even below expectations. Devin Booker in the first two games was not what we thought. Uh, Darius Arch has yet to be the guy we thought. And that's what's most encouraging to me is we haven't even seen this team hit full potential yet. Uh, this is this has just been a great effort uh, overall. And all the credit in the world goes to Monty Williams. A team could crumble yeah. <clears throat> uh, in the face of yeah. adversity if they're not prepared. And we saw the Suns team do that numerous times over the last few years but this team had the exact opposite reaction and actually came out and has played uh, like they could care less what's going on around them and that they have a, a mission that they're on uh, to, to play good solid entertaining basketball and I uh, I will forever be indebted to at least this three-game run because for the first time in a while, I'm not wondering why we subject ourselves to this. I'm remembering why we all decided uh, to not only do this show, but to dedicate our time to watching basketball uh, as a primary hobby. So uh, I'm excited. I'm happy for Suns fans uh, first and, and foremost and, uh, and glad that things have, uh, have seemed to go back on the rails. And, uh, you know, they don't look like they're going to be trashed this year. Nope. So they really don't. <laughs> that's a nice part about it. Well, thank you guys uh, so much for joining on the YouTube chat. If you're listening to the podcast version of this right now, we really do appreciate you giving us your ears once or twice a week. We will be back this coming Wednesday to do our normal episode uh, again. But again, thanks so much for joining the Sun Solar Panel podcast. Yeah. And uh, timeshares in Kaminsky Cove on sale now. Tweet me at Espo for your slice of the pie. <laughs>